0: Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God as people and as purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. This is the time of the service where we bring the Word of God. Are you ready? Yes. We've been looking at the, uh, the the Gospel of Matthew. We've gone through some of the chapters recently. We looked at chapter 4 and, you know, various things in there where we, we, we saw Jesus uh, being baptized by John the Baptist. And, He went out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he rebuked the devil at the end of it, mainly by the power of the Word of God. Isn't that awesome? So he rebuked the enemy primarily by the power of the Word of God. Then we see him go on to do some miracles in Galilee, uh, which was an interesting and significant place. But then he goes on to choose his 12 disciples who would become his apostles. And we saw there that that many of them... um, you, you know, no, if you look at it naturally, you think that most of these disciples would be chosen from the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the scribes' school of leadership. But he chose, you know, he chose four fishermen to begin with. And it's like redonkulous. That's just ridiculous. It doesn't fit. But Jesus is counterculture. And he does things where he only does what the Father tells him to do. I love it. And then we go on and see him doing some more signs and wonders and miracles. And then He goes up on the side of a hill. It doesn't say He goes to the temple. It doesn't say He goes to the synagogue. It says He went up on the side of the hill. And I've been to that hill where Jesus preached the Beatitudes. And the amazing thing with Jesus is Jesus always chose places that would project His voice. When you read the, the accounts of the Lake of Galilee where Jesus preached, his voice would bounce, bounce off the lake and thousands of people could hear, hear him from that boat where he spoke at the Mount of Olives. I don't know how many people were there, but it says there were crowds. But Jesus chose a place that's almost mini amphitheater. I don't mean it has the seats, but the side of the hill, and he preached to crowds. But he also preached to his disciples. And when Jesus taught... Something was incredibly different with these Beatitudes. Something was very different. Because it said, the crowds had said at the end, they said, He didn't teach like the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. It says He taught as one who had authority. And that's the difference. That's the game changer with Jesus. People taught from what they knew, and they were schooled, and some of them taught well, but Jesus taught with authority. And the reason Jesus had authority was He was the Son of Man, but also He's the Son of God. And He preached, and people listened to Him, and people liked in the main what He taught, and people responded to Him. And in the Beatitudes, we talked about how the Beatitudes is like a sandwich when you go through them. The first one talks about, for they shall receive the kingdom of heaven, and the last one talks about receiving the kingdom of heaven. So, there's something about the kingdom mixed in. But Jesus teaches all these principles, all these things, and the hearers can hear something that they've never quite heard before. Jesus talks about blessed are the poor, those who are poverty-stricken in spirit, and um, those who have a meekness in life, and those who've got to endure hardships. But He talks about from that place of blessed emptiness, that place of being empty of oneself, and being self-centered, to one who hungers and thirsts for Christ, or hungers and thirsts for the fullness of righteousness, then there there comes three descriptions of how righteousness abounds in the heart of the believer, or those who believe in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Number one is mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. It says in verse 7, Then it goes on in verse 8 to talk about purity, and in verse 9, it talks about peacemaking. But this morning, we want to talk about mercy. Can you guys help me here this morning? Can can everyone just say mercy? Mercy. Mercy. So God's mercy is powerful. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and mercy, but He didn't just talk mercy. He walked mercy, and He was mercy on the earth. And that's the beauty of the Christ. There's something in the blessedness, one that is happy or joyful. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Mercy is like a a diamond that is multifaceted. It's beautiful to behold. There's something beautiful about mercy. To others, mercy is offensive. Because the mercy that we believe in isn't just human mercy, but it's the mercy of Jesus Christ, and it points to the one above. And that's the key with the mercy of Christ. It's God's mercy. It's Christ's mercy. Why, why should I, why should you, why should we be merciful? <clears throat> Ephesians 2 verse 4, it says that God has, has shown us Mercy. He's shown us mercy. And it's important that as He has shown us mercy, that we too are merciful. And merciful is, being mercy, showing mercy is a powerful thing. Many of us get in the habit of not just unforgiveness, but being a bit harsh with people. And God wants us to have the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit that we have dwelling within us, but He wants us to have the attitude of Christ and the fragrance of Christ. I'm here to announce to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that the fragrance of Christ is very inclusive of mercy. And as we demonstrate God's love, God's kingdom, on this earth, in this place, in this city or the region or the town or the village or the nation that you come from, as we demonstrate His mercy, it will bring about God's kingdom. Malachi, sorry, Micah 6 verse 8, do what is right, be merciful, and live right with God. What a powerful piece of verse. Be merciful. Be merciful. God continually asked His children to be merciful. His nation of Israel, be merciful. And Jesus goes on to say, Blessed are the merciful. James 2 verse 13, The person who is merciful can stand without fear on the day of judgment. There's something about mercy. Mercy me. Mercy you. Mercy us. There's something about mercy. We need the mercy of God. Showing mercy brings happiness. Happiness, happy are the merciful. Now, there's some keys. I want to give you some tips here this morning. Would anybody like some PG tips? That stands for Pastor Gordon's tips. PG tips. Do you want some PG tips? That was Stu Hamilton that said that to me years ago. You should write a blog called PG tips. I said, yeah, I could, but I'll probably get sued by the tea company. But anyway, it's a good one. PG tips. So I'm going to give you some tips this morning on practically how to apply merciful to our relationships. Are you ready? We will find out if you're ready. Blessed are the merciful. Number one in relationships, PG tips, number one, is be patient with people's weirdness in their behavior, particularly in your family. Have you got a friend or a wife, or a husband who does peculiar, weird things. If Yona does, have you ever sat with someone in a conversation and you've been completely distracted by their weirdness? Have you ever been? You ever sat in a meeting with someone where they've got an ear infection or something, and they put their finger right in their ear. Then about three seconds later, they smell their finger, and you're like, "Oh, it's disgusting!" And it's like you're so distracted. I've sometimes sat there. Chatting with people, we're having a coffee, and I'm like, God, help me, help me get through this because I'm so distracted by the things that they're doing scratching their head, or they've got a wee habit. I, 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 I'm a people observer, so I notice these things. I'm weird, I know, but I just notice these things so easily, and I watch people's behavior when I'm talking with them, and sometimes I get distracted and I say, Lord, help me listen to what they're saying because I'm distracted by the finger in the ear. Lord, help me. So, so be aware and show mercy. Show mercy with people and don't get irritated. It's so easy to get irritated. Ephesians 4 verse 2, make allowance for each other's faults. Hands up who's got that verse on the fridge like a magnet. <laughs> you do, that's good. Anybody else got that in their hat? Someone else put that, ha- see any more hands? So it, it's, it, I wasn't expecting them to put their hand up, so i But <laughs> make allowance for each other's faults. It's such a powerful thing. You know, hurt people hurt people, don't they? When, when people are hurt, they hurt other people. And sometimes when we get irritated, it can lead on to other things and arguments and various other things that just make us go crazy. And, you know, anybody here that, that, that's married, I'm going to say something, but I believe, it's, I believe it to be true. A great marriage is made up of two great forgivers are two merciful people. Can anybody relate to that? Fiona, keep your hand down, please. But a great marriage is made up of people who are phenomenal forgivers, who are just great at forgiving one another, because no matter how wonderful you are, you are going to have your faults. We all have our faults, and it's it's been full of mercy to one another. I remember hearing of someone who had this amazing ministry but they had a nightmare marriage. And it was like in in the ministry, they were so merciful to everyone. And when they went home to their spouse, they were a nightmare. That's not mercy. That's called pick and choosing, being picky. That's pick and mix mercy. We need to be the full package of mercy. So that's, remember to be a great forgiver, whether it's in a marriage or whether it's in your relationships. Just show great mercy towards the person. You ever met a married couple where they'll talk and they'll say, "Of course, you would say that," you know, and and they pick a fault in their partner. You're like, flipping heck, this is awkward." Then the other person says someone else, and it just feels even more awkward. But there's like this: there's obviously this background narrative going on, and and it just suddenly, whoop! It just comes out in the midst of this conversation, and and the background marriage comes out in a public place, and it's like. That's awkward, and uh, it often happens, but those of you who are married, be be thou a great forgiver. Be merciful. Fiona, be merciful. (laughs) Preaching to my wife now. She's looking at me, Gordon, you be merciful, but she's got to be more merciful than me. You probably picked that up. So uh, be thou merciful. Be merciful. Be a forgiver. It's the ingredient of a great marriage. Another great tip in relationships is do good to those who hurt us. <clears throat> it's such an easy thing to forgive. You know, you go someplace and somebody bumps into you in the shopping mall and you say, or the shopping center and you say, oh, it's all right, no problems. You get home or you go into church and somebody says, or doesn't look at you, or doesn't speak to you, then you're riddled with bitterness and unforgiveness. And, and it's like, man, we're picky and choosy again. It's so easy to be forgiving in the marketplace, but in the house of the Lord, that brother that you know, looked at me the wrong way today, that person in that group, I'm not going back to that group because they offered that person two biscuits, and I only got offered one biscuit. They got offered chocolate biscuits, and I only got offered a digestive biscuit with no chocolate on it. And I'll tell you, I'm not going back to that church. I've had it with that church because the way they run the small groups, the biscuits are like awful, and it's like, man, we're merciless. Does anybody, have you ever heard that kind of conversation? Not, not, have any of you heard that? Have any of you been that person that would complain about the chocolate biscuits? Oh, none of you, okay. So, so it's easy to be merciless, but do good to those who hurt us. I'll give you an example of mercy that took time to manifest. Has anybody heard of Saul who became Paul in the Bible? We've all heard of him. And he went through a conversion, and before before he came to faith in Jesus, he stood there holding the coats. I think someone preached that on a week or two ago. He stood there holding the coats of those that stoned Stephen. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Paul, who was murderous, who was full of hatred, who acknowledges in the epistles that he was full of ignorance, that his mind was blinded, that his eyes were blinded, that his spiritual eyes were completely closed, and those scales over his eyes goes through a conversion experience, and he's filled with Jesus Christ. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he goes out preaching the gospel, and even the apostles in Jerusalem are like, uh, we're kind of hearing things, and the church are still scared of him because of the murderous threats that were going through him, but this man transfers from a man of murder to a man of mercy. And people don't believe it for a number of years in some cases, but he turns from murderous to merciful. And I want to tell you, that's, that's powerful here this morning. So it's important we recognize that mercy, mercy is an important thing in our lives. You cannot, you cannot win your enemies to Christ. You can only win your friends, and before they come to Christ, they need a bridge. Before Jesus is their friend, we must be, mercy, we must be that mercy, merciful friend. I love it. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus goes and hangs out with sinners, dirty, rotten sinners. And uh, in Matthew nine ten through 13, He goes out and hangs out with Matthew who invited Him to His house and a tax collector. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was notorious. All tax collectors were notorious at the time. Why were tax collectors notorious at the time? I'll tell you why they were notorious at the time, because they skimmed the money. They skimmed the taxes. The way they worked it with the roving governors, with Caesar, and all these guys, if it was a denira, like a hundred bucks per household, Caesar would say, that's all I need, I want that per household. They would ask for 500 per household, so they made a lot of money. And it was enforced by the Roman army at the time. So they were seen as horrible, wicked people. So for Jesus to go to the house of Matthew was ridiculous because Jesus should have been going with the righteous. Jesus should have been going with the Pharisees. Jesus should have been going with the Pharisees and the scribes. But here's Jesus. What's He like? He's hanging out with a tax collector who's nuts, who shouldn't, He shouldn't be hanging out with. But here's Jesus wanting to hang out with a sinner Come on. The religious people were indignant. They were furious, and they were angry that Jesus would hang out with a sinner. Jesus, Jesus invited Matthew for dinner, or Matthew invited Jesus to his house. Do do you know, can I ask you something as a Christian, as a believer? Do you invite notorious, have you invited yourself to a notorious sinner's house? Or do you have notorious sinners in your house do you do you invite people for lunch or do you only invite Christians? Mercy. So do, do, how, how do we operate? It's just a question. I'm asking the question. It's not said in condemnation. If the Holy Spirit brings a bit of conviction, great, but there's no condemnation. But who who do we invite for dinner? It'd be, it'd be like today in, in inviting, if you're a pro-Brexit, you know the people that love Brexit, inviting somebody who's a remainer. For dinner and say, why don't you have dinner and we'll have a discussion, but we'll be in love and mercy. Or you might be a pro, what do you call it, a pro-remainer. You want to remain in the EU and you invite a, a Brexiteer for dinner. You know, it'd be like, it's, it's controversial. Or it's like being in the United States of America, you might be uh, a Republican Christian, they all seem to be that way, and and you invite some Democrats over for dinner. It'd be seen as incredibly controversial, and it's important that we do some things that are are, are controversial. You know, one of the reasons sometimes we don't fill churches is because we don't know that many notorious sinners you know the only part, the only notorious sinner having lunch in your house today might be you. I'm just kidding. So it's important that we invite invite people for dinner, invite people for lunch. I remember being at a, a, a minister's meeting and there was a a young man there who led the the food bank, a Christian guy, and he he. Uh, we were all looking at ways of doing strategies and reaching out to people. He said, I did something really interesting. He said, well, what was that? He was only like 19 at the time. He said, I, want a, I went on a pride march. So, said, what's a pride march? A gay pride march. All right, okay, very interesting. He said, well, when I was there, I, I wore a T-shirt on it that said, I too am in love with another man. Okay, and, and on the back it said, Jesus and he said, lots of people on that gay pride march were saying, oh, it's so, so nice of you to be here. Why are you here? And they just said, well, we love Jesus, and we just wanted you to know that Jesus loves you as well, and, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to hit you over the head with a hammer, but, but we love you. And they were shocked. And, and, and to me, that, at the time, I have to be honest, I was kind of a bit Pharisee, I was like, where's he going with this? Why is he doing this? Is there something wrong with him? I was manifesting in the meeting I was, if I'm honest. But within a few seconds I said, Lord, help me, and he did. And uh, I was like, Jesus, help me. So, so you, you see the whole thing of how, how we do dinner with people, how we, how we hang out with people, how we get in, in amongst people. There's another guy, a clergy guy in Dundee who does, who, who's running a, an alpha course, or one of these interested in Christianity courses in a gay pub, and I'm like, Right, that's interesting, and I struggled to process it. But I'm like, man, when I read the Bible, it's kind of more—it's more like what they're doing than what I'm doing. And I'm like, that's more aligned with the Scripture, how Jesus hung out with sinners and what He did with people. Because the reason Jesus did that is because He was full of mercy. When you read the account of Zacchaeus, who was up a tree. And he saw Jesus and he said, I'm coming to your house for, Jesus, sorry, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for dinner. He invited himself. Zacchaeus turned around, his life turned around after experienced dinner with the manifestation of mercy himself. That's why his life was turned around, because he experienced the manifestation of God's mercy and God's grace. Mercy Reaches into the peculiar and awkward places and brings out the gold, in our words, brings out the sinner into the kingdom of God. That's the power of mercy. And that's the Christ that lives within us. The mercy of God is powerful and it's awesome. And it operates in you and it operates in me for the glory of God. So recognize the power and the place of God's mercy. And you are one who is merciful who's full of God's mercy. Jesus was moved. It says that when Jesus saw the crowd, He was moved with compassion. And Jesus was just so full of mercy. Mercy motivates us. See, When we've got a pharisaical spirit, it motivates us to see things and to judge things and to make statements about things. But mercy causes us to get alongside people. And, and, and get with people. And, and I love the example of Jesus. where he, he just got alongside people where it was controversial. It was crazy. I've, I've, I've had s- some people who aren't Christians at my house and, or, or been out with them. And, you know, sometimes they like to drink a lot. So when they're in my presence, they don't drink. And on one occasion, they, they had a lot to drink before they met up with me because they kind of felt like they couldn't drink when they were with me. So that was kind of like, Lord, help me get through this kind of stuff. But I want to tell you, as, as we demonstrate God's mercy to people, people will, will, will know that, that, that Christ is real. Because if, if we're good news, you see, so many people have a problem with churches today. I'm going to be honest with you, so many people find the church so judgy and mental, judgmental. And it's like they just can't touch it. And that's how people criticize, oh, that community fridge thing. It's only like, what's it about? I'll tell you what it's about. Here's the, here's the process for sinners of what they go through. Number one is they need to connect with a cause where they see mercy. So, when people see mercy, they connect with a cause. When they connect with a the con- cause, they can connect with a person that's connected with that cause. So, when that person who's connected with that cause represents Christ and shows Mercy, when the mercy is shown and the the mercy is demonstrated, a conversation can take place. And when the conversation takes place, they can introduce who they know the mercy comes from. The mercy comes from the Christ. So, because of the mercy that's shown through the Christ, that's shown through the Christian, they can introduce them to the Christ, and then they can introduce them to community, which is church, and they can get connected, and you see, it's a process. Jesus, Jesus, shaboomed it in a day. We don't have that privilege. We we're, we're not Jesus. He he just shaboomed it in a day. But we've got to shaboom it through a process of relationship building, reaching out to people, being kind to people. And I know that you guys are all doing that. But I'm just want to encourage you more that the the mercy of God is powerful. It's it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's mercy. So, people need to see the mercy. And when they see the mercy, they can hear about the Christ. And when they hear about the Christ, comes the conviction. And when the conviction comes, it brings about a change in heart that changes lifestyle. Because only Christ can bring about that change. So, there's something about His mercy. Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous but sinners. This is in Matthew 9, verse 10 through 13. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What does that mean? Well, with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes who he's preaching to, um, it's a quote from Hosea 6 where God accuses the people that their love is like the dew on the grass. It's there for a brief morning hour, and then it's gone, and all that is left is the empty form of, like, burnt offerings. God wants mercy to be alive in our hearts. And, and, and rather than just evaporating like dew on the grass every morning, it's something that's permeated our hearts, and we're people of God's mercy and you see it with a, the 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 where Jesus talks about them straining out gnats. The Pharisees, also the parable of the uh, the good Samaritan, where where Jesus Jesus draws out the mercy of the Samaritan. You see the, the people that dropped the people that dropped them were the priests and the religious people. The man that reached out was a was a half breed. He he was half uh, Galilean, half. Um, Jewish, and he was perceived as n- not quite right, but, but he reached out and he did the right thing. Jesus asked who was the righteous one. They said the Samaritans. The people said the Samaritan was the good man in the parable. And the, the, there's mercy. There's something about mercy. It sees the stress. So, it says that he saw him, and, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And that's the thing in the parable the Samaritan. And he responds with a practical effort to relieve the distress. There's something about applied mercy and application. And even even when the person is perceived as an enemy, it acts. It acts. So, even though the the, the person was perceived perceived as an enemy, the person acted. And that's what Jesus was teaching. So, even if a person in distress is an enemy you act. And that, that, that's what Jesus is teaching here. An eye for distress, a heart of pity, an effort to help in spite of enmity. That's, that's mercy. There's something about mercy that just, that just cuts across religious divide, all, all, all these things, and just reaches out a hand of, of, of mercy to, to other people. There's something about mercy that just smashes through walls and barriers, builds bridges. There's something about mercy, the mercy of Christ that does something awesome. Well, I'm going to leave you with this today, but when, when Jesus Christ, Jesus was on the cross, it's one of the most powerful acts of mercy ever. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. You know, people sometimes say, "Oh, you know, you can go overboard. You're, you're imbalanced. Gordon, you're an imbalanced Christian. You can go overboard on mercy. There's also justice. Yeah, I know that. I know there's justice in mercy. We get that. But we're preaching on mercy here this morning. So, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. So, yes, we can go overboard on mercy. I love it. Did Jesus go overboard on mercy on the cross? Yes, He did. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, people will pick up. People will pick up your vibe. People pick up quickly if you're a Pharisee, and people pick up up quickly if you're full of mercy. Mercy will be demonstrated in the body of Christ. It is being demonstrated in the body of Christ, and I want to appeal to you here today, if your heart is hard against God, if your heart is hard against other people, just say, God, give me mercy. Let me be one who enacts mercy. Jesus took a risk going to the house. Of 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 Matthew the tax collector, he took a high risk. He could have looked a a plonker. He could have looked like he was nuts. He could he probably did. He could have looked like he was contrary to Jewish tradition. He could have liked he was contradicting the culture of the time. But here's the thing: Jesus countercultured anyway. He only did what he saw the Father doing. I love it. I love it because when we read about Jesus, it's mercy and to people who feel like there's no mercy in life. Matthew probably felt like there was no escape for his sins, but Jesus gave him an escape route. Today, ladies and gentlemen, the only escape route from that nature, that merciless nature in our sinfulness is Jesus Christ. And Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I want to announce to you here today, the Father forgives. He forgives us, and His mercy is all sufficient in the demonstration of God's love through the Christ on the cross two thousand years ago. So we are free because of His great mercy. Seven, six, five, four. That is good. I'm on the timer. Thank you. Thank you. One. There we go. The timer just finished. Bang on time. So, thank you. It was all planned. It was all planned, the way I laid it out, I just knew I'd land a plane and that, oh, I'm just over overtime by talking. Can I, can, can I just pray for us here this morning? Is that okay? Can I pray, can I pray that God will give us more mercy? And if, if there's any pharisaical hypocrisy or anything within us that God would just melt our hearts, is that okay? That the Holy Spirit will do it? Is that, is that okay to pray that? So let's all stand. We're, go, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your mercy here this morning, and Lord, many of us, I think all of us here have received Your mercy, the mercy upon the cross. Thank You, Jesus, that You have forgiven us, You've freed us, You've released us. And Father, I pray for anybody here today that doesn't know You that they would walk away with one of these Bibles, and they would know Your mercy today, O God. Father, we thank You for the healings that have already taken place today, the people You've touched, the people You've healed, the demonstration of Your love, the demonstration of Your power. But Father, I pray that we would go from this place, and we'd know how to be instruments of Your mercy, O God. Father, thank you for the people that are going to cross our path because we always get tested. When you come to church here to preach, you get tested on it the next week. So, Father, I pray as <laughs> as we walk out, oh God, that you would give us that heart just to love, just to touch people's lives that need your mercy, oh God. Jesus, Jesus. If you need God's mercy this morning, if you just need his mercy, in your life. Just lift your hand before them if you need a touch of God's mercy. Touch them, Lord. Just touch them, Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, just touch people in this room that they would know your mercy, oh God. They would know your love and your power. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord melt hearts, you change hearts, you touch people, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I, I just want to pray for, there's some people who are I just sense as people are going to do some deals this week. I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, I just see like golden keys and God saying he's going to unlock doors for some people. I don't know if it's property deals or business deals or some kind of deals, but I just speak that over people this morning, that this week, this coming week, there's going to be a breakthrough with some stuff. I just sense the Holy Spirit saying that. Breakthrough, 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 breakthrough breakthrough in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just sense the Holy Spirit saying as well that there's there's people here with what you call intellectual property. There's ideas and inventions and things that is locked up in your mind. And the Spirit of God saying is, you, you need to write it down. Write the vision down. This week, and you say, I've no time. God's saying, write it down this week. He'll give you a, a supernatural endowment of power from on high to, to write these things down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just receive that right now. That's you. Just right now in Jesus' name. I see people writing... Um, it's like books and blogs and notes of inspiration, and people are just going to write things down this week. I see. believe this week is going to be a week of writing and inspiration, where there's some people, God's given you an idea or a concept, and uh, just, just write it down. Get it down on paper. Get it down. Now's the moment. Now's the time. Just sense the Holy Spirit saying, write that stuff down. Write it down. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just speak multiplication over people's minds, over their ideas, over uh, vision, over uh, business ideas, property ideas, financial. I just speak your blessing and your multiplication over, oh God. Speak life, 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 over these things, over these people. Just speak life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.